When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Got some bad news. Um, Operation Cleanup has, well, uh, failed. Wouldn't you know, rising toxicity levels have made life unsustainable on Earth. 700 years into the future, mankind will leave our planet, leaving Earth's cleanup in the hands of one incredible machine. Wow. It's such an accessible story. It's a love story. As much a love story between um, humans and Earth as it is between Wally and Eva. Wally, not to get too personal, you have a girlfriend, right? What's your girlfriend's name? Uh. Eva? Now, which Eva could it possibly be? Uh. Eva, okay. Is it the, the story of the human race in this movie, I think, is... It's very, it's very timely because they have to make a decision about whether to go back and take care of the planet. We can go back home for the first time! What's it like now? No, 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 don't, don't, don't tell me. I want to see for myself. In an underwater paradise, a plastic nightmare. Now it's all piling up on land and swamping our seas. Mountains of trash with no end in sight. Problem is, there's no real way to get rid of it. Much of it ends up here. In recent years, we've had a big increase in awareness about waste management issues. But at the moment, it seems to be getting worse, not better. It is hard to imagine when you look at a place that's endowed with such beautiful coastline that there's such a dirty little secret lurking underneath the ocean here. 3,000 miles from the mainland, a remote paradise that's become a rubbish dump. Every single albatross that you see across this landscape has been fed plastic. So as you open it up... What we need to do is take a proper, good, hard look at what we do with our stuff and see how we can do it better and see what will make us do that better. Bags, bottles, buckets too, he said. are now more densely polluted with plastic than anywhere else on Earth. Hello and welcome to Science Dish. I'm Rick Edwards, joined as ever by Dr Michael Brooks. Hello. Notice a sort of 
positive lilt in your voice there because it's your turn. <laughs> uh, what yes. are we getting into? Uh, we are getting into the first in a trilogy of animations. So we're going to look at the 2008 Pixar movie, Wall-E. A couple of things. To clarify, Wall-E is not a part of a trilogy. We're just going to do a trilogy of episodes about animations. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We're right? not. Okay. We're not doing three episodes about Wally. Yeah. I guess Don't so. worry about that. Good. Good lord. Also, <laughs> I have to say, I think that I've been pronouncing the name of the film wrong. What have you been saying? I Euler. think I say Wally, like Wall, Wally. The idea is it sounds like Wally, doesn't it? Yeah. But I sort of pronounce it Wally. Do you know what it stands for? No. Cool. Uh, waste allocation land lifter. Earth class. Oh, so it should be... Oh, sorry, no, I got that wrong. I got oh, did that, you? I got wrong. <laughs> go on, have one more go. Waste allocation load lifter, Earth class. Can't read my own writing. I've got to say, it is really good. I love the film. The film, yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's great. I had a little weep. Did you? Yeah. I don't think I did. I think... You made a stone. Yeah, I am. I, emotionally cold, but... But I did appreciate it. I thought it was a nice film. And it's sort of it's such an uninviting prospect, isn't it? You know, you've got Earth buried under rubbish, there's no living things left, humans are just fat slobs sort of living on these star liners, and you've got this one little robot and you think, How are you gonna make a film out of this? Is this gonna be a good feel good movie? And actually it really yet, is. Yeah. 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 Do you wanna do a quick rundown of the plot? Basically, uh, an environmental disaster. Earth is covered in waste, rubbish. There's, all that's left on Earth is robots sorting it. You know, Wally is this one robot left and finds something that's living. Basically, is the, the is the the moment, isn't it? And uh, and then it all unravels when another robot comes in to to kind of investigate, see what's going on. And so, what is our big question then? Uh, big question: Can we fix the global waste crisis? Oh, it's an uplifting one. <laughs> <laughs> I do hope the answer is yes. <laughs> uh, and have we have we tracked down an absolute legend? We absolutely have, and we've got somebody who travels the world, sort of actually looking into this issue. Uh, when we spoke to her, she was in Panama. Uh, she is a professor of sustainable waste management at the University of Northampton. Her name is Margaret Bates. What did we ask her first then? So first, we wanted to start getting a picture of how much gets thrown away in the first place. Let me have a go. Shit loads. <laughs> At the moment, to be honest, we don't really have a good idea of the total scale of the waste problem because there's so many different kinds of waste. But if we looked at just sort of municipal type waste, the household waste that we think of, we're currently generating worldwide over 2 billion tonnes of waste. So if you imagine how much of a problem we've got now, it will be worse. Pretty much anything we throw away is going to or can become waste. Food waste. Hundreds of tonnes of it here at the largest food collection site in London. And yet this isn't even 1% of what we waste on a daily basis. So globally about 44% of the waste we're throwing away is food waste, which is appalling when you think of starving people. We'll get 30 deliveries just like this one every single We also have big concerns about plastics because we don't have proper collection systems for them. There's nothing really wrong with plastic, but plastic's been used widely and maybe inappropriately, but also we haven't really worried about collecting it properly. (laughs) 
if you look at the UK as an example for how good we are at our waste management, I would say we're actually very, very good. Most of our waste gets collected and it gets treated or disposed of. Historically, we've relied on landfills, which are highly engineered. People think of them as just being holes in the ground or dumps. But if you ever see a dump, you realise the difference between a dump and a landfill site. So a landfill is highly engineered to protect against the gas causing problems, the leachate, so the products of degradation of the waste causing problems. And we hardly ever hear of issues with old landfill sites causing any problems. In fact, you know, if you've been to the Reading Festival, the chances are you've uh, danced on a landfill site. But landfill sites don't recover the value, the resource of what we need. So what we need to do is become much better at getting the materials back, making sure that plastic can be turned back into a plastic bottle, or if it can't be turned back into a plastic bottle, can maybe turned into a fleece or back into fuel. That metals don't end up in the ground, that we're recovering them and turning them back into cans or cars or whatever. In recent years, we've had a big increase in awareness about waste management issues. But sadly, that doesn't seem to have gone hand in hand with a lot of knowledge or people feeling that they should take more responsibility. So two billion tonnes of municipal waste a year. A year. What's that per capita? Uh, 0.74 kilograms per person per day. Per day. Yeah. My God. Yeah. That's insane, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Ugh. Ugh. It's not very Is this going to be it? really... Uh, it's just, just a <laughs> heads up. Is this going to be really bleak? It feels like it's going to be quite bleak. It, it might It might come across as quite bleak. Yeah, we'll try and cheer it up with some gags. Shall we? How, yeah, does it, some point. how does it break down then? So, how, does, how does all this shit break down? So, uh, like, like organic matter yeah. is basically about half of the, the solid waste that we produce. And then paper and plastic, 27%. Mm-hmm. 60% of all of this waste ends up in landfills. Mm. So um, the high-income countries are generating more than a third right. of the world's waste. East Asia and Pacific region, about a quarter Africa and South Asia produce the least, but that will change as, as their populations shift more towards urban living. So, um, so presumably it's, it's this pretty figures, bleak. This figure's going up then? Yeah. So we've got 2 billion tonnes mm-hmm. annually now. It's expected to get up to 3.4 billion tonnes over the next 30 years, basically three decades, and we're, we're going up and up and up. I think for various reasons, when we think of waste at the moment... Um, we tend to immediately leap to, you know, plastic in, in the ocean and so on. Yeah. But it sounds like food waste is is the big one. I mean, it is. And it's also kind of unforgivable, it's, isn't it? It's on so many levels. Yeah. It's horrible. I mean, you know, there's people obviously, you know, going without food. And, yeah, even in the UK, we've got, you know, this massive uptake in food banks. Mm. And food waste is half of the waste in the world. Yeah. And also it's, you know, climate wise it's a nightmare as well because it's generating eight percent of the total global greenhouse gas emissions food waste food waste wicked yeah so apparently if it were a country it would come in third so you've got the united states and china 
and then food and waste. Then food waste. I mean, on we're podium. smashing it, aren't we? Uh, but the, the the thing about the reason that we're talking about plastics a lot mm. is we're worried about where it ends up. It lasts for so long, and it it's just being used for stuff that it probably just shouldn't be being used for. Yeah. Are we getting better at dealing with plastics? Well, it depends where you are. I mean, actually, we only recycle 9% of the plastic globally, globally that okay. we produce. And we produce a lot of plastic. Yeah. Uh, so the US is 9%. Uh, the EU recycles 30% of its plastics. That's pretty good. Yeah, so I mean... Well, actually, sorry, no. It's not good. 30% is still 100% low. 100% would be than, good, wouldn't it? Yeah. But, but 30% yeah. is better than... Yeah. Uh, I don't know what the UK will do when it's out of the EU. I mean, the problem we've got is that China has stopped importing plastics for recycling. So it's been importing them from 1992 mm. until last year. And that's about 45% of the world's plastics recycling was done in China. And then they just said, do you know what? We've had enough. <laughs> no, do it thank yourself. you. Yeah, yeah. Basically... So it's starting to pile up. I know that this is a thing that people know about now, but I remember when I first found out that we export our waste. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> was that a proud moment for you? No, not really. It, it, like, it's so weird. It's I know. such a weird thing to do. I know. I know. Just be like, well, we obviously we don't want this. And when you hear about some of the things, so like, the, you know, the black trays that you get takeaway meals yeah. in, they are done with carbon-based inks, I think it is, most mm. of them which can't be recycled because the recycling plants use infrared sensors that can't see those plastics. So those black plastic trays go into the landfill. I mean, there's nothing to do with them. You can't right. actually recycle them. And the reason we use the black plastic is because the food looks nicer when it's against black plastic. And that's like the whole reason for it. Can I, can I tell you something that I think is uh, probably litigious, so it might be a question of uh, <laughs> leaping out the yeah. name. Yeah. But there is a very popular online clothes retailer. Yeah. And because their stuff is so cheap, if you return their stuff, they don't like put it back into the system, like get it back into stock, because that is a more expensive procedure for Ooh. them. It goes straight into landfill. No. Unworn, return stuff, clothes, straight into landfill. Whoa. I know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's, it's also it's almost the worst thing about that is you just go, yeah, I can, yeah, I can believe that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, God, it's 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 just horrific. Yeah. Anyway, Absolutely so when we going to do some uplifting stuff? Yeah. So I mean, yeah. the situation isn't great. So and we asked Margaret to kind of paint a bit of a picture of what the situation looks like for less wealthy countries if we think we're in bad state. In parts of the world. Lots of people don't have any access to waste management facilities. So the collections and the disposal things that we take for granted aren't available for about a third of the world's population. That extraordinary snake of trash, I mean, literally, it rolls There's around so the There's so much like river, garbage over here. It smells really bad, and to be honest, it's quite hard to breathe. And if you look at this hill... So, whereas I'm very lucky, I put my waste in a bin, someone comes and collects it and disposes of it safely. If I didn't have that bin, then what do I do with my waste? The reason the trash crisis got so exponentially unbearable for people here in Lebanon was the summer heat. And even if there is a collection point, it might be very hard or impossible to empty in the rainy season. So for months every year, it can't be empty. So then you get problems with disease. You know, things rot, they smell, 
vermin live in it, they spread disease. So then what often happens is people burn out those collection points. And we've worked in countries where the collection points have been cancer hotspots because they're burning mixed waste with none of the controls that we would have in the developed world. What we really need is to have systems where we effectively collect that material so it can be treated, recycled and disposed of while protecting human health. And the collection is absolutely key to every aspect of waste management, whether you're talking about Northampton or Nairobi. This is Agboglossi, Accra, where technology goes to die. Workers here are smelting, feeding fires with TV casings and fridge interiors, a heat fierce enough to burn the insulation off electrical cables. One of the things that we've worked on a lot in developing countries is electronic waste. And one of the interesting things with electronic waste is that it has both a hazard and a value. So there's bits in it, some of the metals that are worth lots of money, so people want it. But there's also chemicals in it, which if you don't treat them properly, are effectively toxic or fatal. They found cadmium 30 times over acceptable levels. It can cause cancer, kidney failure, bone disease. Levels of lead, which attacks the nervous system, topped 100 times the recommended maximum dose. Agloblochi in Ghana, a place that's very famous in waste management terms. And this is where there's a whole industry built around end-of-life vehicles, so second-hand cars, and also end-of-life electrical and electronic equipment. And one of the problems with Agloblochi is that what they do to get to the metals in the cables and built up, mixed with plastics, is they burn off the plastics. So they burn off the plastics and get exposed to highly toxic chemicals. I mean, some of these chemicals we have historically concentrated up and used as chemical weapons, they're that bad. And we've got tens of thousands of people who are working on or around these sites, breathing in these toxic fumes with toxic chemicals going into the water that you wash and you drink, and also going into the soil where you grow your food. You wouldn't live here. I will not advise anybody to live there. Meanwhile, this place has been classified as one of the most pollutant or contaminated sites in the world. Well, I was worried that this was going to be just really depressing, this episode. <laughs> and, but the reality is, it's quite uplifting that oh, stuff, isn't it? It's a it's thing, absolutely isn't it? great time in Ghana. <laughs> it's just, like, just when you thought it couldn't get any more depressing, mm. you realise that these chemicals are basically like what you would use if you wanted to create a chemical weapon. And uh, and everyone's sort of having just to deal with burning them. them off. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we discard things. You know, these kind of electrical waste. <sighs> you don't think anything about it. You just sort of take it down to the tip or whatever, dump yeah. it into this you know small electricals pile. And you realise that actually, in order to recycle this, you know, the same thing that's happening in Ghana. People are dying. They're poisoning themselves in order to try and extract some value out of this stuff. There's an issue which is that when we recycle or dispose of stuff i think we feel reassured when we go to the dump and there's all these different yeah. sections for stuff and like you say like you you go oh not a problem i'm just going to pop this in the small electrical bit that'll get dealt with obviously because yeah, yeah. i put it in the yeah. right pile <laughs> so that's fine and then I, t- I put my batteries in that bin that's fine um and then i put all the textile stuff in this weird porter cabin uh, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm dealing with it right. and you feel like guilt-free everything's yeah, fine yeah 
don't really consider what's happening to any of that stuff. No, I mean, as soon as you start recycling, it's like, you know, a virtue, isn't it? Yeah. Eff- effectively. Yeah, I feel very smug about it. I'm very assiduous with my recycling. Ooh, but yeah. I don't know if it's doing any good. <laughs> I don't even know if it's getting recycled. Like, no, that's the I thing. Mean, I genuinely yeah. don't know if I necessarily trust I mean, that. Interestingly, I mean, you know, we don't really think about the economic model behind, you know, our recycling here. But somewhere like Ghana or Lagos mm. is famous for it. There's a $700 million a year economy in sort of mining, you know, the landfills and sort of taking stuff mm. out that's that's got value. And you sort of get these massive landfills where people are just roaming over them, picking out stuff, uh, finding the things like metals that are in there that can be used for, you know, photovoltaic cells and batteries. And, mm-hmm. and you know, there's lithium and tantalum and all those rare earth metals that you can pick out of some of this stuff. But it's, you know, incredibly hard work to do it. Very sort of labor intensive. But then you set it on. And, you know, when you're living in the dollar a day economy, I guess, you know, it, it sort of becomes worth it to a certain degree. But we, you know, we're wealthy enough. We can just leave it to someone else. Yeah, like the living and working conditions of people who are doing this kind of above ground mining is is horrendous, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's awful. I mean, there's, there's nothing really that's good to say about it, except that it is a way for people in those mm. places to sort of earn a living. And some people have set up businesses where it kind of works and, and you can make, you know, make a business out of it. But in the end, you just sort of feel like this isn't, it isn't great, is it? I mean, it's just like our accumulation of stuff yeah. is the problem, effectively. Yeah. Yeah, feeling good about everything. Yeah, I feel very positive. <laughs> Cut it off, will you? Hey, autopilots. Got some bad news. Um, Operation Cleanup has, well, uh, failed. Wouldn't you know, rising toxicity levels have made life unsustainable on Earth. Unsustainable? What? Uh, darn it all, we're going to have to cancel Operation Recolonize. So, uh, just stay the course. Um... Rather than try and fix this problem, it'll just be easier for everyone to remain in space. Easier? Mr. President, uh, sir, I think, sir, huh? time to go. I mean, it is obviously in the, the global interest that infrastructure for waste management improves, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, it's really what we need because... Actually, you know, we don't have it in most of the countries of the world. And most of the waste in the world's oceans comes from just five countries. Ten rivers. Name and shame, please. Uh, China. No! (laughs) (laughs) Indonesia, Uh Thailand, the Philippines, and Vietnam. If you don't have the infrastructure to deal with, you know, the plastic waste, Mm -hmm. then people just have to dump it. And when you dump stuff, and, and, you know, very much in, in these cultures, you just dump it and it ends up in a river and it ends up sort of clogging up the river and drifting towards the ocean. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that's where we've got to. How worried should we be about plastic in the ocean? Obviously, that's the vogue thing to worry about now. It is quite vogue, isn't it? You do hear a lot about it and we should be very worried about it. I mean, there's no, there's no like, oh, it's overblown. No, it, it really is bad. Mm. We've got 15 trillion tonnes of particles, plastic particles on the ocean surface. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do the ratio of plastic items to marine life, mm. at the moment it's sort of one to five. 
So there's like one plastic item for every five organisms in the sea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so they're having to share at the moment. Yeah. But don't worry, because in 2050, the way things are going, it'll be one-to-one. Oh, that's <laughs> <It's>, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it stays in the system. So we see those pictures of like turtles with big bits of plastic in their yeah. mouths or whatever. Actually, it's the microplastics that are say, a huge like problem kind of as well. Beads and stuff. Even just like microfibers from fleeces or whatever. Mm. You, you get, um, so this guy called Mark Brown at the University of New South Wales, he did an experiment with mussels and he would just like put plastic in their water mm -hmm. to see, you know, they ingest the plastic, you know, mm -hmm. micro particles. So these are things that are smaller than a red blood cell, tiny, tiny bits of plastic. Yeah. And the assumption was always like, oh, well, you know, they'll just get excreted just like everything else gets excreted. That's a waste product. And none of it got excreted. So so literally, he said, basically, you know, we ran out of muscles to, to try and find some, you know, some way of sort of seeing how much was excreted. It's just like these these things absorb the plastic and it stays in the system. So, it so doesn't the, the muscles out. are just getting weighed the down The muscles are just becoming more and more plastic. And and this is, is true for, you know, in a ocean good way? life. <laughs> <laughs> So plastic in the ocean affects fish reproduction, mm -hmm. right? You know, yes. So you kind of might expect that from our Children of Men episode, yeah. where you know, you've got plastic yeah. affecting fertility in humans. I don't like to think about that episode too <laughs> yeah. much. Yeah. It, uh, well, it affects fish. But not only the fish that are exposed to the plastic, but their offspring as well also have reduced reproductive efficiency. So mm -hmm. epigenetics is working you know, with those plastic chemicals. The BPAs, bisphenol A, is a particular bad one. Basically, they're, they're things that imitate hormones mm -hmm. that are in our plastics mm -hmm. to make them easier to work, you know, plasticizers and things like that. Uh, they basically screw up, you know, all of our endocrine systems. Uh, fish are screwed by this. Um, they cause inflammation. If you ingest plastics, it kind of turtles or whatever, they're getting inflamed, scarred organs because of uh, plastic in, 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 uh, in, in their internal systems. Um, we've got... Uh, Interesting one. Yeah, oh, yeah, there's more. Oh. Uh, so, I mean, this is a good one. Plastic makes soil more fluffy. So what we've got is... Well, that sounds good. Yeah, it does sound good, doesn't it? Except that it's not. Hmm. So it means it retains water and affects the microbes in the soil. So you get much poorer quality soil if you've got microfibers of plastic in there. And have we got microfibers of plastic in our soil? I'm oh, yes, have, Guess it, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, we have. Because we use, like, fertilizers that are based on sewage sludge. And the sewage is just full of microfibers. Wicked! <laughs> so, so it's all good. Has, uh, as, I mean, look, I want to like look at something that is vaguely encouraging. Has Margaret got some plans to fix this? <laughs> just to fix all of it? Um, she has some ideas, but you know, we've got to take this seriously. I mean, that's, that's the thing. At the moment, I don't think we really have the political will to solve the waste management crisis. There's a lot of emphasis on marine plastics, which is totally justified. Uh, marine plastics are scary. How have we let our planet get to this level? But we need to stop, I think, focusing on plastics and then maybe on something else. What we need to look at is here we have this system and we're putting materials into it and we're turning these materials into products, and then somehow they're leaking out of it, and we have no idea what's happening to our stuff. We don't know what's happening to it, whether it's plastics, metals, all sorts of other things. So 
what we need to do is take a proper good hard look at what we do with our stuff and see how we can do it better and see what will make us do that better. And if you're not going to do it better, if you can't be bothered for whatever reason, then it should cost you a heck of a lot more money. But at the moment, it seems to be getting worse, not better. 600 metres long, this giant floating boom will be towed out a thousand miles off the coast of California to try to clean up our polluted oceans. Plastic rubbish that ends up in the River Thames is still an issue, but there's a new idea to help with that. Sea bins float in the water they and catch the, rubbish the plastic. into these bins. From here, the plastic is separated, is broken into chips and then pellets, then spun into thread. And this store in Madrid is where the finished clothes end up. I think we have some amazing technological solutions. The technology is really being invested in at the moment for trying to find circular economy solutions or things that make us deal with our materials much better. But I don't think we can separate technology from people. And we'll find the technological solutions, but we also need to find the behaviour change solutions at the same time. Germany's good at recycling. Yeah. They recycle about half of their municipal waste. That's all right, isn't it? Yeah. And um, in Sweden, less than 1% of the waste ends up in landfill. Uh, so they recycle. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. They recycle, but they also use um, incinerator plants, so waste-to-energy plants. Okay. So you burn the waste, you take the energy from that and you know, feed it into the energy grid. How's uh, that environmentally? It's okay. Mm. You have to trap the sort of the dioxins and the nasty chemicals that come off when you burn all these plastics. So spending a lot of money on so filtering you, that. Yeah, you have to filter, scrub, mm. scrub mm. it a bit. But basically, you know, you get a lot of energy out of waste if you burn it and, you know, you get like something like three tonnes of waste gives you basically one tonne of fuel oil. What about new kind of technological innovations? I'm sure I read about that uh, bacteria that was going to chow down on plastic. That sounded pretty good. So there's uh, the plastic PET. You'll see like plastic bottles, polyethylene, uh, tetraphthalate. A million of them are sold every minute, Mm -hmm. these bottles. And only about 14% of them are recycled. But you feed them to this bacterium. This was discovered in Japan. It's called Idionella saccharinesis or something like that. Anyway. And it does sort of recycle the plastic back into oil effectively. Then, and that's great. Yeah, some, some researchers at the University of Portsmouth were doing some work on how that evolved, mm-hmm. and they accidentally tweaked it so that it was even 20% more efficient. Sweet. Uh, so uh, so I think they've got a patent on that now. I bet they have. Yeah, yeah. So there are, I guess, sort of, you know, rays of hope in that maybe we can do that. But you need a lot of bacteria to deal with that kind of volume of, of plastic that we're talking about. Yeah, presumably, I mean, bacteria famously quite easy to guess a lot of. Yes, well, I mean, you're, you're a man with experience of that, obviously. Big time. I mean, I mean I'll, I'll start farming them myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're pretty much a <laughs> yeah. one-man factory for bacteria, aren't you? So, uh, yeah, I mean... Walking petri dish. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to use bacteria. There's a Norwegian firm called Quantafuel that does chemical synthesis of, of synthetic diesel fuel from plastic waste. So that, that kind of works. And, and then you sort of end up reducing greenhouse gas emissions because you're not using new oil and gas, but actually just sort of recycling the plastic we've already uh, got out from the oil. So, so you that's know, that, cool. that's hopeful, at least. I like that. 
Well, you know, I like it, both of those things. I mean, it, they, it's they, hopeful, isn't it? Yes, exactly. I'm, I'm glad that we've got some stuff where you're like <laughs> clinging okay, on, okay, by yeah. our fingernails to it. You know, there's I mean, a, obviously there's this is only like, dealing with the plastic, yeah, maybe, yeah. And and like the biggest factor at the moment is that we're not try, even trying to recycle most of it anyway. Yeah, yeah. And then, then there's all the food waste we need to deal with, but let's not worry about that. Eh? But if you can incentivize people where you say, look, you can make money out of this waste plastic, that's the way to go. As soon as that happens. Economics is always the way, isn't it? Yeah, that'll be the driver. Yeah. Mm. And what about the stuff that is already there? Like, can we clean the oceans? Um, We're going to try. Yes. Or or at least somebody's going to try. I say we as if I'm part of the solution here. Yes, we're trying to clean up the oceans. So there's a thing called the Ocean Cleanup Project, imaginatively named. Oh, yeah. It's an experimental thing. It's basically a massive barrage. And it's sort of 600 metres long in a sort of C shape. Hmm. And its nets go three meters down, so they drop down into the ocean. And the idea is to just put this thing at the places where the ocean plastics uh, sort of tends to congregate. Collect, yeah. yeah, so there's these various sort of different places around. And there's one in place now uh, in the Pacific, the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, it's called. And oh, it's, it's huge, isn't it's it? It's twice the size of, of Texas. It's insane, and it's yeah. just got so much plastic there. So basically like, just sifting with this and huge And it just nets. like drifts along with the wind yeah. and the currents. Okay. And drifts a little faster than the currents because it's got the wind as well. Mm-hmm. And so it just basically, you know, hoovers yeah. up or collects up all the plastic and then the ship comes in and just takes it away. So Is it collecting up quite a lot of fish as well? <laughs> no, no. I mean, they've designed it, obviously, to not do that, to, to make sure that fish Because it's so escape. shallow. It's shallow. Okay, right. Um, yeah. And the nets are designed in a way that you, you quite don't get slow that. moving. I mean, to be honest, if you're a fish and you're getting caught in that, you're an idiot. You still have to get caught in <laughs> Yeah, enough. yeah. So, I mean, it's designed... Uh, it's not going to be 100%, but it's basically designed not to catch wildlife at all and just skim the plastic off the surface. Yeah. Um, and, okay. uh, and and so they're, they're aiming for a 50% reduction in the size of that patch. So it'll go down to just the size of Texas oh, in, right. in about Fine. five years' time. Fine. And then sells that plastic for reuse. And the idea, I think, is to kind of brand that plastic as like this was yeah, yeah. cleaned up from the ocean. You know, you can have your phone made of plastic that was cleaned up from the ocean. It's good marketing. So, yeah, yeah. So I, or I, get it to the Norwegians or the Japanese bacteria. Yeah. Make yep. some oil. Yeah, it'll all be good. Jobs are good. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. I mean, it's almost sorted, really. Yeah, I just feel like we, we're on a horrible trajectory in this episode, and I feel like we're just picking up. I mean, I just hope that it's not sorted by the time this episode goes out, because obviously then... We'll look you know, like fools. Yeah, we will look so behind the curve, won't we? That'd be disappointing. Yeah. I'd be furious if it was sorted. <laughs> <laughs> what about the... Um, Margaret mentioned the circular economy. Yeah, so... so How does the, that work? So the idea is to design out waste. Yeah. And pollution as well. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. so you have products that stay in use. So instead of, for instance, you know, buying a washing machine yeah. and then, you know, taking it to the tip at the end of its life, you license a washing machine. You know, once it's at the end of its life, it's taken away and its parts are recycled, it's dismantled, and you know, it might be turned into another washing machine just what, you know. Well, hang on, why would I need to just lease that rather than buy it and then get it to be Well, because if you anyway. buy it, you own it, there's less incentive to just recycle it properly whereas if hmm. the company still owns it it's the company's job uh, to take it away yeah, okay, and, and okay. They, they, so they have to deal with it okay. a bit like you know with supermarket packaging the idea where you can just buy your stuff in the supermarket but you can leave all the packaging yeah. I think you can do this in Germany you can leave all the packaging in the supermarket for them to deal with and, and you know the idea is just to, to kind of change the way we do things it's a mindset change isn't yeah, it like, yeah. you look at, look at bags yeah. like just yeah. the, the 5p 10p bags have made a massive massive difference yes. and if you said to people look the 
next thing is you bring your own bags and actually you bring your own kind of packaging. I think people will get on board with it. I think people will. And and the more you hear about this, the more you'll do it. And the more yeah. you appreciate the problem that we've got. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's really important just to keep talking about it and, and almost make it socially unacceptable mm. to be using these bags, to be, you know, using more packaging than you need. So I think, you know, these things will hopefully change. I also, I, I like the feeling of superiority when I do these kind of things. I like feeling smug when of course I'm, I'm you actually do, yeah. behaving better than you people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> By bringing it doesn't my, sound um, like you at yeah. all. I know, I know. No, the planet. No, wait a minute. Computer, when was that message sent out to the Axiom? Message received in the year 2110. That's, uh, that's nearly 700 years ago. I don't think they've changed. We've got to go back. Sir, orders are do not return to Earth. But life is sustainable now. Look at this plant. Green and growing. It's living proof he was wrong. Irrelevant, Captain. What? It's completely relevant. Out there is our home. Home, Otto. And it's in trouble. I can't just sit here and, and do nothing. That's all I've ever done. That's all anyone on this blasted ship has ever done. Nothing. On the axiom, you will survive. I don't want to survive. I want to live. Must follow my directive. So let's um, let's have a little look at this question then. Can we fix the global waste crisis? I was feeling quite down about this, and now towards the end, I feel like, do you know what? I think we can. I think we can. And. It's just a question of capturing the public imagination like the way that the the plastics in the ocean has. Yeah, yeah. But about all waste. Yeah. And there are solutions out there. Yeah. And they can be monetized, crucially. I think it's a resounding so I, yes. Yeah, I, mean, it's I think just, it is. We can do this. And that circular economy thing, like, yeah. that's, that's doable. Yeah, it's just a mindset shift. Mm. And actually, I think none of us, until maybe two or three years ago, were really aware of this plastic problem not no, no, had no idea that no. it was of that scale. Yeah, so I think once that information has got through to us, mm-hmm. then actually we started to make personal decisions, lifestyle choices yeah. that change it. And and so I think, you know, the more that percolates through the system, the more we will get this sorted. Well, there we go. Yeah, good news. And also, really enjoy Wally. Wally. <laughs> Wally. 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 Science Ish is a Radio Wolfgang production presented by me, Rick Edwards, and Dr. Michael Brooks. The producers were Cormac McAuliffe and Eli Block. Sound designed by Ivor Slayer Manley. Special thanks to Professor Margaret Bates. And if you like the show, please do subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks, it does help. You can also find us on Twitter at science underscore ish. Um, I actually, um, I don't know if you're interested, I don't know if we're doing Houses anymore. I actually went to Pixar. Uh, to film a special about this film. Oh, Z, no, yeah. that is perfect. Yeah, back in, back in the day. Oh. Back in the day when things were going well in my career. <laughs> <laughs> and I sort of do things like fly to San Francisco. Oh, God. <laughs> Who was that for? Uh, Channel 4. Oh, yeah. back when they loved you. Yes, long, yes. long time ago. <laughs>